This morning I'll be preaching from the book of Matthew. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Matthew, chapter 12. And I'll be reading from verse 22 down to verse number 30. Matthew, chapter 12, and verse number 22. The Bible says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? Then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you for the confidence that we can have, knowing that your word is true. We're thankful for the fact that we are convinced and believe that you are alive and well. We thank you for the fact that you came to this earth and shed your blood on a rugged cross and was buried, but after three days you arose, conquering death forever. Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth today, that you would use it to comfort and strengthen, challenge everyone who would listen. Dear Lord, we know that we are living in difficult times, but you are still on the throne and you've given us the victory through your precious blood. Thank you once again for what you're doing in our lives. Exactly what take full control, give me the words you love me to say, cleanse me of sin and to me of self, and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus saith the Lord. And if there's someone here today who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, that today will be the day of their salvation, that every believer will be challenged to take a closer walk with you. Have your divine way. Take full control. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Recently, I must admit that I have been finding it fascinating to examine history and to understand how wars have impacted and shaped the world in which we live today. The two world wars of the 20th century, for example, are significant events that have had a major impact on our world. And this impact is still being felt in large part today. According to 
history.com, and I quote, in reference to speaking to both of these great wars, it says, the instability created in Europe by the First World War, which was from 1914 to 1918, set the stage for another international conflict, World War II, which broke out two decades later and would prove even more devastating. Rising to power in an economically and politically unstable Germany, Adolf Hitler, leader of Nazi party, rearmed the nation and signed strategic treaties with Italy and Japan to further his ambitions of world domination. Hitler's invasion of Poland in September of 1939 drove Great Britain and France to declare war on Germany, marking the beginning of World War II. Over the next six years, the conflict would take more lives and destroy more land and property around the globe than any previous war. Among the estimated 45 to 60 million people killed were 6 million Jews murdered in Nazi concentration camps as part of Hitler's diabolical final solution, now known as the Holocaust. Now here's a summarized statement regarding the result of World War II. The legacy of the war would include the spread of communism from the Soviet Union into Eastern Europe, as well as its eventual triumph in China, and the global shift in power from Europe to two rival superpowers, the United States and the Soviet Union, that would soon face off against each other in the Cold War. End of quote. So in effect, in summary of this article, you have in effect World War I. And World War I virtually causes World War II. And World War II causes what was known as the Cold War. Now, you might be saying, what is the continued impact on the world? What is the continued impact for us even here in the smallest nation in the Western Hemisphere several decades later? Well, during World War II, four of the Allied powers, that's the side who eventually would be declared the winner of the war, you had the United States, Great Britain, the Soviet Union, and China, and these four allied nations agreed to create an organization that should work for peace. And in April of 1945, 50 countries signed a charter and gave birth to the United Nations. The United Nations, of course, is this organization for which several countries around the world, including ours, is aligned with. And this UN has been influential in formulating and shaping 
policies that impact all nations that not only are a part of it, but also impacting those that are not. I'm here to, de to declare, my friend, that wars have impact. But my friend, there is another war that has had and is having a greater impact than any other war fought in human history. My friend, this war is a spiritual war. This war is a war of right versus wrong. It's a war of good versus evil. This war that I'm speaking of started in heaven. When heaven, Satan rebelled against God. And this Satan, this Lucifer, who was considered the, the, the highest of the angels, the most beautiful of the angels, influenced one-third of these created beings and they were cast out of heaven. My friend, the effect and the impact of this war is being felt centuries, millennium later by you and by me every single day. This war is raging, my friend. This war, its impact seems to be getting worse and worse. And it would behoove every single one of us to become aware of what is happening. Aware of the impact and the effect of this war on our lives, on our families, on our schools, on our churches, on our nation. My friend, make no mistake, this war is real. And it is raging. We began last Sunday examining the results of this war. And we saw last week that the foremost result and impact of this war is sin. Sin, my friend, is our biggest problem. Don't ever take sin lightly. Sin deceives. Sin distracts. Sin desensitizes. Sin deteriorates. And ultimately, sin destroys. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Death is our enemy. We don't like to think about it. It's a reality of life. But my friend, it is the result of sin. But today I want us to look at a second impact, which is really an offshoot from this first impact of sin, this first result, if you will. And the second result of, of, of this war is that of sides. So the first impact is sin. But the second result is sides. What do I mean? I mean that by the, by, by the result of having sin, there is a, now a clear demarcation. Because prior to sin, there was only right. Prior to sin, there was only good. 
Prior to sin, there was only holiness. Prior to sin, there was only righteousness. But when sin was introduced, my friend, all of a sudden, there are now two defined and distinct sides. I want us to examine three simple things very quickly this morning as it relates to the sides that have enveloped as a result of sin. Now notice with me, jot this down, first of all, that when it comes to the sides in this war, the sides are clear. My friend, the sides are clear. Now, we in our federation just thankfully and prayerfully emerged for the most part unscathed from the recent political turmoil that enveloped our nation for several months. And I know every resident in this country would agree with me that when it comes to politics, people can get very emotional. People can get very serious and passionate about their side and their preference. So much so that people are clear when it comes to their colors. I mean, this color thing is a serious thing, you know. I mean, you dare not paint your house a particular color because that may now define you whether that was your reasoning or not. But people are passionate and clear about their colors whether it's green and blue and red and yellow and orange. You see, as I'm talking about this, I'm actually talking it from a light moment, you know, but people are already tense. I mean, I'm not even getting any smiles because this thing is serious business. People not playing. I mean, it's arousing emotions of even anger, frustration. Am I right? Don't yeah. so want you to lighten up. This is supposed to be a lighter moment. Amen? Amen. I'm just illustrating the fact that people are very clear about their sides. Well, my friend, when it comes to this spiritual war, the sides are clear. Listen, this God of the universe who is holy, he's a righteous God. Listen, there is no shadow of turning in him. Listen to what the Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So my friend, when sin enters, when wrong enters, when evil enters, because this God is a God who is perfectly holy, perfectly righteous, as soon as sin enters, it automatically places and presents itself against a holy God. Immediately you have clearly defined sides. They're diametrically opposed. They're completely opposite. Listen to what the Bible says in James chapter 1 in that same chapter verses 13 and 14 it says let no man say when he's tempted I am tempted of God. 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. My friend, when it comes to this war that is raging, there is no confusion regarding the sides. However, it's a trick of the devil who's so slick, who's so subtle, who's so sneaky to make us think that the lines are blurred, to make us think that there's some middle ground, to take, make us think there's some neutral position, but my friend, there is not. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 understood that these signs, uh, these sides rather, are so clear. They're so distinct. They're so clearly defined that Paul could write and say in verse number 31 of chapter 10 in 1 Corinthians that whether therefore he eat or drink or whatsoever he do, do all to the glory of God. What was he saying? He's saying, listen, even if you're eating, even if you're drinking, listen, it ought to be done to God's glory. It ought to be done to honor him. It ought to be done in honor of his holiness and righteousness, even if you're eating and drinking. There's no neutrality. There's no middle ground here, my friend. That's why Jesus speaking in our text in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 after he was so foolishly criticized with, by these Pharisees who had no logic in their argument. He says in verse number 13, he that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. What? You, you want a definition of no neutrality. He says, listen, if you're not with me, guess what? You're on the other side. If you're not working for me, guess what? Even though you think you're doing nothing, you're working against me. Wow. The sides in this war, my friend, they are clear. There's no confusion. But notice, secondly, when it comes to the sides in this war, which result from this vice called sin. These sides are not only clear, but they are consistent. What do I mean by consistent? I mean that they are consistently opposed to each other. To use the continued political analogy, The sides in this war do not form alliances of any sort at any time and at any place. We understand when it comes to, of course, politics, there are times, depending on the state of affairs, two or three or more may choose to work together for some common agenda or even for some common good, my friend. But when it comes to this spiritual war, no such arrangement can take place between the powers of the sides in this war. My friend, there will never be an alliance. There will never be an agreement. There will never be some accord formed between the sides, the powers that be in this war. 
they're consistent in the opposition of each other. It's good versus evil. It's holiness versus unholiness. It's God versus Satan. My friend, they are consistent and will be consistently the way they are in perpetuity. You know what that tells me? That whatever Satan says, go the next way. It doesn't matter what he says. He is never in agreement with God. He is never, ever, ever seeking to aid God because he is his perpetual opponent. They will never reach an alliance for any common good. It will never happen. These sides are consistent. Listen to what 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 says. It says, for all that is in the world. All means what? All means what? All. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Jesus speaking to these Pharisees after he had cast out these demons. They came up with this illogical, impractical argument. He's casting out these demons by the power of Satan. What school these guys went to? Jesus says to them in verse number 25, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Jesus wanted them to understand clearly. Listen, when you see me cast out Satan, it means that I am against Satan. Satan going to cast out Satan. He's divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? My friend, when it comes to these sides, understand that these sides are not only clear, but they are consistent. When you're on the side of God, you are always on the side of right. It does not matter what Satan says. It does not matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the UN says. When you're on the side of God, you are on the side of right. And conversely, when you are not on the side of God, guess what? You are always on the side of wrong. Consistent. Categorical. It doesn't matter what philosophy man comes up with. It doesn't matter how much they change up what the word of God says. It doesn't matter how many genders they introduce. It doesn't matter what philosophy they come up with. If it goes against God, it is wrong. And if it lines up with God, it is right. When it comes to these signs, they are clear, they are consistent, and finally, they are conclusive. Conclusive. What do I mean by that? What I mean is 
whatever side you are on, if you remain on that side, your destiny, let me rephrase that, whatever side you are on, your conclusion is determined. The destiny of that side has already been decided. One side, my friend, is the winning side. One side is the losing side. This is not like sports. This is not like politics where the suspense and the drama is to the roof regarding the outcome. My friend, when it comes to these sides, you don't have to wait up late at night to figure out and to hear the count. You're going to go to sleep because it's already been decided who's the winner. You don't have to wonder whether the result is going to be one thing or another. There need not be a bunch of what-ifs when it comes to these sides. If you're on God's side, that's the winning side. End of story. If you're on the devil's side, you're on the losing side. End of story, my friend. Understand that we went to the back of the book and we know how the story ends. Turn with me to Revelation. We saw this earlier. The sides in this war, my friend, they are conclusive. Revelation chapter 20. This ought to give us confidence and hope and help us to live this life with a strong faith even in response to difficulties and challenges. And even when we experience this enemy of our physical bodies called death, because this physical death that we grapple with and we experience, it is not the end of the story, my friend. In Revelation chapter 20, I want you to just see briefly here verses 1 to 3. It says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. My friend, the fact that this Satan can be bound by Almighty God means that this God is powerful and more powerful than this Satan. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Did you, did you, did you catch that? Satan can only go as far as God allows. When God binds him and Cast him in a bottomless pit for a thousand years. Guess what? He ain't getting out until God says you can get out again. To run around and deceive.
Look at chapter 20, the same chapter in verse 11. The conclusion of these sides has already been determined. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. This is a spiritually dead, my friend. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in those books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. My friend, this is the result of sin that has not been forgiven. This is the result of being the state in the state in which we were born without Jesus Christ. And whosoever was not found and written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Verse number 21 of chapter 21. Look at the contrast in the conclusion, in the destiny of the sides. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. My friend, look at the contrast of the destiny of the sides. In one hand, you have uh, death and hell, and they were delivered up, and they were cast into the lake of fire. There you have death, destruction, devastation, and on the other hand, you have the winning side with no more death, no more pain, no more suffering forever and ever and ever. It's already been determined. It's conclusive. My friend, the sides in this war are distinct. They're clear. They are consistent. And they are conclusive. And the question for every man, woman, boy and girl here today, Whose side are you on? Do you realize there is no neutrality? There is no middle ground. There is one side or the other. There is a winner, there is a loser. There is destiny of life. And there's a destiny of eternal separation from God. That's the result of this war. And the question is, ultimately, which side are you on? Which side are you aiding? Which side are you benefiting? I trust that we understand the magnitude and the seriousness 
of this result of this war. And that you, every single person will endeavor to be 100% sure that I am not only on the winning side, but my actions, my attitude, my behaviors are benefiting the winning side. This war is a war that's raging. It's not slowing down. As a matter of fact, Satan knows he had but a short time. And his endeavor is to deceive as many as he can because his fate is final. His fate cannot be altered. But whoever you are, man, woman, boy, or girl, you have been given the privilege, the power of choice to determine what side you're going to be on. Thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the resurrection. You know, Jesus paid the price so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. We can have eternal life. But you know what I love about what Jesus did? Even though he said on the cross, it is finished. Meaning the price had been paid. The ransom had been paid for your salvation, for my salvation, Jesus endeavored after three days to give us proof that he had conquered death, conquered the grave by getting up from the grave where he's alive forevermore. You can be confident in your belief that just as he got up, one of these days we will defeat this enemy forever called death. But my friend, you must be on the winning side. You must be on the side of Almighty God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, my friend, that's the only way. It's not good works. It's not church membership. It's not baptism. It's placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and letting him work in your life to help you to fight the good fight of faith. If you're not here today, if you're here today rather, and you are not saved, I encourage you make that all important decision to trust God today and have the assurance that you are on the winning side.